Hi, everyone. Welcome to another edition of this Farm Chatter podcast. On this episode of the podcast, I'm going to be joined once again by Ramesha Floor, who is the editor of the new edition of the Sefer Bukhur Yaakov of the Archaner and Chasuka, which is where he had him on in the past, and uh, edited a number of other Sfarim, and is Mechaber of his own Sfarim, which is one that we'll be discussing here on this episode, which is his fourth expanded edition of his Practical Guide to Hilchas Mechiris Chametz in English. So thank you, Ramesha, for joining me once again. My pleasure, Nachi. Thank you for having me. Well, let's start off. Um, why did you decide to write a book on Hilchus Mechiris Chamas, and when did, you deci- when did you start? When was the first edition? When did you start writing this? Well, when the, um, in the shul that we're in, uh, Kalshimshin, we used to have uh, someone come to sell the Chamas, uh, but they would only come a short time, and the item was getting bigger and bigger, so it was decided that we need to have our own person staying the whole time in the shul to take care of it for the item. And I was the one that was the one they asked to do it. And I started doing it for a number of years. And I kept on noticing all these Shilas repeating themselves over and over. People asking the same Shila again, the same either misunderstanding or basic things that they didn't understand. So I started writing them up and making it easier for them. Because if there would be a lot of people waiting and they all have the same question, I figured you could look at it yourself and you'll see yourself how to, how to fill out your star. This way, things moved along faster. And the questions and the answers got a little more detailed. And as it went along, I finally realized, you know, it's already quite a number of things that I see people are in need of clarity on this sogia. So I started to, it became bigger, 40, 50, 100 pages and bigger. And then I said, you know, it's time maybe I could publish it as a countryist. First edition was, I believe, in 2014. That was already after about three or four years of making a small booklet, but I finally decided to do a real publication. And it was, again, a smaller 100-page one. Now, after another three editions, Baruch Hashem, it's a little bit bigger. Always new ideas of, of what people need to know and for most common circumstances. I'm not trying to bring down any uh, once-in-a-blue-moon a type of Shaila. It's really basic, basic things that uh, people are maybe uh, not sure. You know, maybe they thought one way and someone else thought a different way. This way I can give you clear based on my experience, based on what I got from the Rabbanim in town um, and others that I would discuss it with, Svarim, that I learned through it. And after this, I think that uh, it'll be a clarity and a, and a big help and calm a lot, a lot of people down when it comes to mice and when they have to sell the hummus, they shouldn't get nervous. They did it the wrong way. Everything should be beside Okay, so two things. You call it a countryist, but I'm holding the third edition here, and it's already 157 pages. So it's really a small safer. Uh, another thing is you mentioned in town, you're referring to Lakewood. Obviously, we're in Lakewood, and that's what you're referring to. Um, now, okay, so let's start off. Tell, tell the listeners, what are the basic halakas? Before we get into what you, the, the, the specifics they discussed, what is just the basic overview of this? Basic overview of Mechiris Chametz, as it's been established and as we are currently using it, is for everyone who ever had Chametz, which means everybody, should have a way to make sure that even something they might not be aware that they have, it, it shouldn't be anymore in, considered in their Rishos, which that's what the Mechiris is supposed to accomplish. So your your basic outline is, how do I transfer ownership of my chametz to the guy in a way that's valid, um, basically, according to the way it's now. 
It's set up that way with all different types of kinyanim. Um, I don't discuss how the Rav makes the kinyan with the guy. This is not my purpose in the Sefer. The purpose is for the person who's coming to the Rav, and he knows, he doesn't know what to write in the star. It's a star. It asks you to do different things, fill in here, fill in there. It's not just a simple piece of paper. You write your name and sign your name. So it gets a little bit confusing for some people. And therefore, this is a way to guide them through it in a way where all their all their misunder- all their uh, assumptions or questions about how it should be done is explained to them. This is what's meant in the star when the Rav says to you, when the Rav does it with the guy, I don't have to teach the Rav how to do that. That's his job to know. I'm trying to help the regular people. It's the stuff you need to know before you come to the Rav. Yeah, I was going to say, some of us, some people are not lawyers, and uh, it does look like a legal document sometimes. You're not sure what's going on, what you're supposed to fill out, and we'll get to that, how it evolved to this more complex document when it used to just be you put your name down. It's now it's much more complicated. So we'll get more into that. So, um, so should everybody do a mechira? You know, someone says, oh, I don't have chamas to sell. I'm all clean. I throw everything out. But is this something that everybody should just do the mechira anyways? Okay, we really should discuss the basic idea that some people were originally against the whole idea of making a mechira because um, of the question how you do a Kenyan with a guy when the guy doesn't know what he's buying. Those, those are issues that people had before. But nowadays, it's it's ungenomen by the Paiskim that it's a very, very good idea that everybody, even someone who says, I have zero chametz to sell, I threw out all my chametz, all my taruvas chametz, and I have nothing. So he's a guy that's going to say, well, I'm just going to do bittel. And I don't have to do mechira. So, for instance, Rabbi Yashiv, Shemaz Alman, Rabbi Yaka Fisher, they all, all written, quoted, and wrote that the purpose of the Shtar uh, Mechira, is because we have things that were not sometimes on our mind that we might have left some of our chametz somewhere. I don't know, could be uh, out of town somewhere. It could be, and it's still your ownership. I'm might not be mafkered yet. It might be in a place that you could access it, but you forgot about it. And you could say, well, I do bittel, but bittel, we have shyless. If you look in the Ran and Sochem, the beginning, we have questions of the bittel might not work if you don't understand the whole sugya, exactly how bittel works. So we're chayshed that you didn't do the right bittel and you're back to square one where you own chametz and it's still considered in your rishos. So it might be b'shaigig, but you nevertheless, it's possible you were over by ra. And it would be unfortunate. So by selling it, even if you're not a person that uh, wants to sell any, but you this is the way to get rid of it. So a person who has zero chametz still doesn't know for sure that he might not be, unless he can swear, I don't know if anyone could do that, that he doesn't own any chametz anywhere in the world. This is the way we do it. We write a star. And as Rabbi Kiva Eger himself wrote to one of his children, you should write in the star not only the chametz that you list, but any chametz that you may have anywhere in the world. And if in case you forgot some chametz, this way after Pesach, that chametz is also mutter. So this is a reason why people should do it no matter what. Okay, so now you're saying everyone should do it. Someone comes to their rav, whoever's selling the chametz. What do they do and how does it work? How are they making this, this mechira? Basically, you're going to point the rav to be the shliach that the Rav should t- take care of doing two things for you. It's a shliach for two specific uh, that specific requests that you wish him to do. Number one is to sell the chametz with the proper kinyanim. And the second thing, at the same time, we have a 
a reason to require that the mekaymas, where the chametz is being stored, should be rented out to the guy for the duration of Pesach. The reason for that second uh, rental, we call it, is because be'etzem, you're not supposed to have chametz in your rishos as a pekadon, even if it's a guy's pekadon. So in order to get around that, by renting the mekaymas with the storage areas that you're going to have the chametz uh, put away, <clears throat> that place is not yours anymore either, so it's as if you took it out of your rishos. So that requires also uh, the shlichus, meaning the rav has to get a deposit from the guy for the rent too, and and write it in in a way where it's, you know, everything that you have set aside in specific areas, those are going to be, number one, the rental, then whatever's in there is going to be considered sold to the guy. So the rav has two purposes. There are other cases where you don't know where it is to rent it. Okay, so Mishnah Bura says, but the Evid, we can uh, not do the rental, but definitely it's something that the that it should be done. So the Rav is going to do that for you. And then after you appoint the Rav, so how do we do the appointing? Um, the minig is that we do what's called a Kenyan Suder, which is not really any type of Kenyan, because for Shlichus you don't need it. Ramam talks about it. And the basic reason for Suder is that you should show that you're serious about doing it, just like, you know, people shake hands in a transaction. They want to say, oh, you know, shaking hands doesn't really, it doesn't make a legal thing, but it does give a, an idea that this is a, a serious matter. So we do the suder. And then there's the star, which is the star mechira, where you actually list your chametz address, where it's located, sign your name, date it, and that takes care of that. So the Rav's appointment is through the star, and if you want to say the suder is part of that, the suder also is done, and then basically the rav will take care of the rest. Now, the, the, this star that we have is really we in the, at least in Lakewood we have two types of stars. We have an individual star, then there's a big star. If you want, we could discuss the differences and why we do both. Right. So don't just clarify. Kenyan suder, you mean it's a handkerchief Kenyan. So people are familiar with the rubble, give you a pen or a it's yarmulke. A handkerchief, a pen, a yarmulke, a gartel. Depends what, what your rub is like or depends on the guy who's selling the chametz. If you want to use a gartel, go right ahead. It's not a reason. Now, the, the difference here is, just to mention, um, generally, when you do Kenyanim, it's going to be the when you do a suder for a, for a regular transaction and then legally you want to... Um, do a Kenyan Suda from a Tautulun, let's say. So it's the Kalim of the Kaina. But we don't have Kaina Makna in this case. So basically, in general, <clears throat> the Suda is really belonging to the Rav. Uh, it's not a really, a, so people come, what do you mean? I have to give you my Suda. It's not a Kenyan. That's why it's just like the Rav has one sitting by him. He gives you a present, you pick it up, and then you could decide to keep it. Or if you want to leave it by the Rav so you can use it the next time, it's up to you. But basically, the the exact uh, mechanism that's being done over here. I'm, I was Masber in my countries. I write about it exactly how this type of a thing has any way effect or any way of showing that you are making a mashliach. It's, it's a little bit baricha, so I don't think I'm going to talk about it, but it's in there. And then you proceed to the other part. So I wrote in my countries that I believe I believe my feeling is that you should first do the suder before you sign the star, because since the suder is really very shvach as far as appointing the rav, and really the star is where you're really appointing him, if you signed already a star, then what exactly are you doing with the suder? As, as is well known, the Chazanish didn't bother doing with a Kenyan suder, 
he just uh, signed on the star, and he didn't feel that it was necessary to do the Kenyan Suder, but the Minig is, at least in, in America, in these places, that we do do that also. But again, it's sort of not any... If you can't get to the Rav, you can appoint the Rav on the phone too. So that's really why the Suder is, is just um, a way of showing how serious you are about the matter. Okay, so you mentioned the star. I mean, we'll, we'll end up going back and forth between the, the star and then the starist, and then we'll go, you know, to more specific halachas that you discuss in here. But let's talk about the star. So you go and you go into Philly, the star, this this contract, this document. You mentioned that there's, especially in Lakewood, that there's two. There's this, there's a specific one for each person and then a small one. So talk about why there's two and then what goes on, what you're filling out, what's going on. Okay, with all right. So basically, this is how it worked. Many years ago, I would say for sure, about 40 or 50 years ago, when you had a start, when you went to the Rav to sell your chametz, basically the Rav had this Hebrew big document, big, I don't know, 11 by 17 or even bigger. Uh, it had some Hebrew on top written, which nobody bothers to read. And the star was written up, I uh, forgot by who, there's a Rav in the early, um, uh, the early 1900s in America. I'm trying to remember his name right now. It's the, I don't recall. But he wrote this nusach, and this is the nusach that was basically adopted by future when the people came into America. And they, this was called Star Harsha. Okay, the Star Harsha, all it said was, we signed underneath, this is what it said in Hebrew, are giving uh, the kayach of the of, uh, power of attorney, we would call it, to the Rav. Uh, his name is there. And he can uh, do as much as he wishes. And he, if he makes mistakes, it it shouldn't be more, different things about the Kinyanim. It mentions animals and mentions certain type of things that we don't do anymore. But everything is is sort of mentioned in this star. And all everyone did was was sign their name and put their address. They very rarely did anything else go on there. Nobody wrote what type of chametz they had. If it's uh, this type of chametz, that type of chametz, they didn't write value. That's it. They they did a, a Kenyan suder. They signed on the on the on the paper, and and after they gave the rough some money, everything was finished. Later on, later on. So in I was told that the in the Broya Kehilla, they used to also have this um, individual document. It means there was a separate piece of paper for each person, and it had listed a few items, similar you know types of items that you would have. Not so detailed, but it was some with some more. Specificity. So they'd write um, uh, noodle products, they'd write um, mixture. They, they had a few items in that list. And then you would list it off, you'd write your address, and maybe also put a value, I'm not sure. And that would be for each person separately. Now, after that, or let's say somewhere in the, in the, in the 60s, early 70s, somewhere around there, um, in Lakewood, so we had Rav Blech, Rav of and others in that time learning in yeshiva were learning, I guess, the sugis. And they, I, I'm not 100% sure, but I believe this is my impression that I got that they wanted to make it look more like a real, a real type of mechira, like a real document with all the things that you would do if you were doing a regular legal document that's valid in any secular court. And of course, it should be valid for halacha. So they would go and they were trying to figure out a way to be mafarit. A lot of, lot of items 
that were common. Okay, now we're talking about common in the in the sixties. Okay, and they also listed things, trying to find things that when it, it's interesting. If you looked at it, you'd notice an alphabetical order on that star. So certain things that people are not familiar with are showing up in the star. So a lot of times you see the star that's being used by Rabbi Blach, which I would say 85%, if not more, of the people are using. And whichever rub you go to, he's using a copy of that star, basically. Um, so that star has these things item listed. So whatever he has listed for A, B. At the last time, when he gets to W already, so what does he write for W? I don't think after W does anything else. It says wheat germ. So I used to remember that I always had these people always asking, what's wheat germ? So I have to give them a husband, and they don't even know have it. They never bought it. What's going on? And there were other things there that didn't make like too much sense exactly why it's in there, just because you have a ABC order, so you pick something out. In fact, when I did over the star for us over here in the shul, uh, let's since I even took out the wheat germ. I figured if you have it, you'll specify it. And if not, I don't need the question over and over again because I don't think it's such a big deal if you don't know what wheat germ is. You know, for M, there was mixes. So I used to have it like a page with, with explanations, like like a dictionary type of things. What is mixes? You know, potato mix, chala, I don't know, kugel mix, all different. I don't know why we need to have mixes. If a person has various type of groceries, which is listed anyway, it's it's enough already. But that's how they wrote up a star. And they added in like uh, chametz that's uh, in transit during the time. Chametz, I'm not aware of where it is. A, a lot of things were put in specifically written out in a way that it, it really shows a real legal method. You're not just saying any chametz, wherever it is, which is okay, but Mr. Brewer and a lot of the Paiskim Heintiger all say that if you want it to look like a real mechira, you got to make it like a real mechira. It's just saying that you have any chametz that I have, wherever it may be, it doesn't look such a like such a real serious thing. It looks like you're you're sort of like um, trying to just you know, okay, whatever you want, I got whatever I have, take it all. And the guy wouldn't have any smichos nas on it. At least here, where you don't have to write the amounts, we don't make you do and say I have a half a box of Cheerios, three quarters of a box of rice checks. I don't. You don't have that, but you do say I have Cheerios. I I have this. When it comes to P, you know that pet food listed. Not everybody has pets. So I tell the people, don't check everything off. If you don't have pets, and the guy says, you know, I want to buy this stuff because this guy has pet food. And then when he comes to your house in the middle of Pesach and you say, pet food? I don't got pet food. He said, well, you checked it off on the star. So the guy will say, ah, if I would have known, I never would have bought this stuff. So you're putting yourself in a little bit of a bad position there. You don't want the guy to, to feel like you fooled him in the star. Now, what's a fakert? You forgot to check the pet food and you do have it. So what's going to be? You think that the guy the guy doesn't care that you have this and nothing else? Okay, if he finds extra stuff, maybe it's, uh, you know, like a bonus. So you had the wheat germ. You didn't mark up pet food, but I found pet food too. So I like that. So you're not losing out by, if you left something out, again, if you really do have it, right? you got to write it in. So this is what I tell people. Write in the star something that if it would be on your table in front of you the day before Pesach, you would put in the cabinet and not throw it in the garbage. Because the people tell me, I don't have cookies. I got rid of them. You never know. Maybe somebody came into my house and he dropped a cookie and I didn't know about it. And I want that cookie included. 
So I checked off cookies. I said, do me a favor. If you don't sell cookies, because you don't sell chametz gomer, let's say, don't check off cookies. Now, what about that cookie that you don't know about? Well, there's another part of the star, which some people, I don't know, they read first part and they don't bother reading the whole star. In the end of the star, it does say, any chametz that I might have that I'm not aware of, which that means that cookie that rolled in there from outside by unknown to you. So you don't have to check off up on top where it wants to know the specific hummus that you want to sell him. It's covered by the further one. So again, there's a list of 25 things. So it's alphabet, there's 26 letters. Let's say there's 23 things that are listed there. Check the ones that are Negea. You don't sell noodle products just because some piece of noodle fell away. Don't check it off yet. You don't sell uh, Cheerios or or any of the other stuff, comments, gummer type of things. You don't sell ketchup for whatever reason. Under K, he has ketchup. You don't sell ketchup. So you don't check it off. Now, what if somebody brought a bottle of ketchup and hid it behind the counter somewhere under, I don't know where, it's covered. But again, the guy has to have a little smichel das. There might be an unknown ketchup, but I, this guy has doesn't say, he has he says he has ketchup. So and then I come and there's no ketchup. So you got to understand why you're writing the star. You got to understand that you're trying to show the guy that he should understand that you have items that he might be interested in. Okay, if you don't write it that way, so you're making it like a sort of, I guess you call it a joke, and that's what we're trying to avoid. The star is here to avoid the appearance that this is just some stam religious ceremony. It's here to show you that it's a real legal document, and it's set up that way. It was done with lawyers, actually, when Rabbi Blech and others were doing it, to write it in a way that would be legal. If you went to court, you could do it. So that's really what the purpose of the whole as we call after Purim, the Langa Megillah of the Shtar It's there to give you a way to make a legal transfer of your bylaws to the guy. Now, to be clear, but the old general way would work, La'alacha. Yes, Mishnah Buddha is very clear. If you don't know, for example, I'll give you an example. Um, while I generally tell people that they cannot, that they cannot just write all chametz that I have wherever it may be, because that's not the way it should be done. However, if somebody says that he's not going to be home the whole Pesach, right? So he's not doing a bedikah, he doesn't even know, he's not putting stuff away. I mean, whatever's in his cabinet, he's not going to start looking and see, oh, this I don't sell. He wants to just sell everything that's there. He doesn't, he, let's say he's not makbed on the chametz gomer, so he's just going to sell whatever it is. So since we do have the address of where it's going to be located primarily, I mean, it does cover stuff that's not in his address, but let's say he has a house or an apartment, wherever it could be, a small apartment, a big, but let's make a difference. So I won't make him fill out all the types of hummus because the mice, it's, it's, he's not going through the house, bats, and he's not doing his, his regular badika before or even setting it up to be able to do badika. So I can't tell him, you know, I need you to go home and check in, and if you don't have this, just write whatever hummus you have at this address. Since the guy has a smichas das that the address is a place he can get to, it's it would be enough for me to say that I could do this as a legal document. Others might disagree. They might say, no, you you really should be mafar. It's, it's a little bit harder for the person going away. He's trying to, he's going to do bedika somewhere where he's going, let's say. So he's not like miss or do in one room. But again, he's not going to start looking through all his things to do the exact details that we want in the star. And the reason he's not doing it is because he's not going to be here. So he's trying to just do it. Um, it's much more, you know, he, it takes up more of his time. He's not going to be home. He's not going to be using any of these things or seeing them or whatever. So basically, 
in such a case, it might be okay for him, okay, to do it. But again, Mishnah specifically says, if you would just write all Chamas Ab, wherever it may be, you're fine, but we're trying to do a little bit better than that, and that's why we have this details. Yeah, your cookie example, you could tell you're in Lakewood, or someone coming up with some of this, like, lumdish thing. Should he put the cookies? Should he not? Maybe someone dropped the cookie. Also, about this Rabbi Black Star, which is in the back of your country, people can see it. It is, you said it was done with lawyers. I mean, it looks like, you know, for a regular person, you said, why didn't someone read till the end? Because this is so, it almost looks like a car lease or real estate document with the country. Like, you need a lawyer to fill out this thing. That's why people make you crazy. It's like endless. Check this, check that. How much value would I put? People are nervous. I don't put the value if I leave something out. It doesn't go through. Does it? Does it not? You know, People don't know exactly um, what's going on with the star, so that's why you know that's I guess why part of the reason, as you said, why you um, um, why you wrote this safer. So now yeah, I printed I printed the star specifically at the back of this of the countries, so that if you don't you know when you get there you feel like oh there's so many people it's intimidating what do I do you can prepare yourself there's a sample of the star and every line that requires something filled out has a number. And then the number is explained. Let's say, put your name, and there's a number one. And I write one. Why do you put your name? Because this is the only way the guy can identify you, whatever. And then I'll tell you in the countries where I discuss more details. Number two, type of chametz. Now I explain to you, what does it mean that you have to fill the type of chametz? And I tell you over there, again, it's chametz that you wish to sell. Chametz that you're not makbid not to sell, you want to sell. The other part I explain to you is somewhere else. So as you go along... Once you look through it one time and you explain and you understand where everything is going to be required, when you get to the, the rub and just fill it out, it's for you very easy because you understand what's what's the purpose of this part and what's the purpose of that part, what's the purpose when it says excluding a rental area. What All these things are sometimes un, unfamiliar. You, you don't remember from last year. You prepare yourself a little bit and you say, oh, very easy. Okay, I know what this means. Okay, I go right there. And it, it, it gets you going quicker instead of spending an extra half hour waiting for the Rav's attention to ask him the question, and then you're unsure, did he understand my question, and what if I wrote it wrong, and maybe I didn't do a good mechira. So this is the way to avoid it. Okay, now another thing you said, the main thing, the main reason is that it should look like a real sale, so is that the reason why also we write the value of how much the Chama is, what location it is, and all those kind of things. Same reason? Same reason, and even more than that, um, we have a, a brought down, Mishnah Brura and others, for example, you have a cabinet, um and or let's say you're leaving your apartment so a lot of times Mishmur writes you have to leave the mafteach accessible for the guy now a lot of people you know they they don't do that they don't they just write their address and they pack out of town and if it's a legal document if you don't allow the guy access as shila how exactly is this a document that he can say is legit when he has no way to get in there. Now, it's not such a big kasha because the star that or the way the transaction is done with the guy, there is also with a der star or other ways, but it's, it does tell him specifically that if he wants to access the chametz and it's locked, he can break down the door even. So it's not that gefarlich. However, Mishaburu does say it would be best if you give him a mateh, others a makbid. Some people come with the keys to the house. Some people leave a combination. If they don't want to write an English combination because they're afraid someone will see it, so they write it in Hebrew, and then the guy will have to ask the Rav how to, what this says, and or there's a neighbor or a landlord or someone else in town that could get him in there. But information like that is, again, to show how legitimate this is. If you just write 
Here's my address. I live in. Uh, I don't. You don't say an address. I live in Lakewood. Uh, ask somebody where so and so lives. So you know, or whatever. You, you you don't show that you want to sell it. If you give it to him in a way where you have a clear address, some people scribble. I tell them, if you, I can't read it, and the guy isn't going to read it. Who's going to know where you live, even where it is? So you got to write an address clear. Somebody lives in a basement. You can't just write the address and leave out the fact that it's a basement. Or you live in an apartment building and you don't leave the apartment number. It's, it's like you're not tr- you're trying to hide where you are. I mean, the guy has to know this. These are details that should be clearly written. Again, if you don't have a key or you can't leave a key or whatever, you can even leave your phone number. That means the guy will call. He'll presumably leave you a message, text you or a message. And then uh, you'll tell him how to go in. So all these things is to show that the guy is really, really the bylum here. The bylum means someone who can get to it. doesn't mean he's going to live in your house. You're not renting him the house to live in. That's not part of the, the rental. The rental is that the hummus can be stored there, and that area belongs to the guy for storage only, storage purposes only, not for him to go and, and, and sit around eating and drinking. So again, all these extra pratim in the star are to establish that we are doing a legitimate mechira, which is always the shayla that people had. Why is this legitimate? But that's how it's been developed till now, and that's how we do it. Okay, so a couple more star-related things before we get into more back into more broader questions. So you mentioned here, I'll just say that you do include things, even if you're not sure, like perfume and other things, you do include that. But what about things that are not, you know, we didn't go with the whole list, but things that are, you know, a couple of things that are interesting you talk about is hummus utensils, and what about shares, someone has stocks in a company that has hummus and other things like that. Right. So shares in a company, uh, according to most Paiskim, uh, unless you have controlling interests in the in the in the company, it's not so clear that you have a din bylaws on it because you couldn't just go into the factory or their storehouse, um, or even if the company has investments in chametz, is it's not so clear how that works. It's really sort of you have an interest in the in the profits of the company, not exactly in the actual. Um, items that they, they are using or selling or these things. But my Ramesha writes that, that you should perhaps put in the fact that you own shares in a company that might be dealing in hum. It's very hard to know when you, when you deal with conglomerates if the company has any interest in, in hummus items. So if we write in, into the star, there's always the question, what is the value of these shares? So let's say you write, you have um, some... Tafik chametz or or taruvas chametz, you know, maybe not selling chametz gomer, have a value of let's say twenty five dollars. Uh, then you also have your shares on your stocks, uh, your portfolio. So what are you going to write about that? So basically, what I tell them is, you write, let's say, I have twenty five dollars of various chametz items, chametz taruvas chametz items, plus the value of of the shares that I have. You don't have to say which companies you have. You don't have to reveal that. But you are writing in the star that that will be evaluated. It says it in the star. Any of the these things that we are not sure of the actual value will be evaluated after Pesach uh, by three mumchem, three experts, if it's necessary, meaning the guy wants to finish off the transaction. Now he's only giving a deposit before Pesach. So the stocks and these type of things should be written in sort of in this way. Uh, a value X plus value of, of, of any stocks uh, or investments, you can have investments, your own, not a stock, you could be invested, a partner in a in a grocery store, whatever you want to say. So whatever that value is, um, you're going to put that in also. Um, and then, what was the other thing? You think you said something else besides the... Uh, 
the okay so basically uh, stocks and these things you we cover yourself like that it does say it i think in the star itself maybe but it doesn't say about value so by value i feel that it should be mentioned that that you are giving a value but you can't say exactly how much it is i mean if you do know the value if you think your stocks because it's only part of the stock the value in the company unless the company only sells hummets i guess but generally these companies sell other things they sell bicycles and they sell who knows what so you're not going to have to give them the value of the shares and now it's a hundred dollars a share maybe that value of the hundred dollars only two dollars was worth in the hummets so you can't really say i have x amount of shares times whatever so that's why you have to just write it as a general way. But you should try to mention it if possible. If you didn't mention it, it's also good. It's not going to be that they become Chomets Rav Pesach. But Ramosha writes you should put it into the Shtar if you could. I think the other thing was Chomets utensils. Right. So Chomets utensils is a different issue. Basically, um, there's only thing that's in the Chomets utensils. We, we should clean them. So there should be no Chomets uh, attached as far as you can see, if possible. If you don't have time to go through all your utensils, you could assume that they were put away. They must be they were cleaned off. You don't usually put away dirty pots and, and these type of things. So it, whatever you have that you're not using, your chametzika dishes of pots and pans, um, the only thing that's there is bliyas. Mechaber says beferish that it's not negea. Uh, bliyas chametz is not aser. There's no aser ba'yiro and that it's not nothing. However, there are some people that want to be machmer, so they want to sell the bliyas. The question is, um, bliyas don't have a value really. Uh, what, what could you say it's worth? I mean, it's it's really. You want the guy to buy it, but the guy can't buy something that has no value. If you wanted to sell it to somebody, says, "Yeah, give me fifty cents, I'll give you all my bliss." I don't think you're going to get a customer for fifty cents because forget about how he's going to get it. But what value does it have? So, so generally, we have in the star it says, "Then any any um, any absorbed taste in utensils." The only problem we have is when somebody comes along and says, "I'm not selling any chametz." No tarubis comes. All I have is kalim that have bliyas, and I want that star written like that. So that's really a problem because you can't write a star uh, that you're selling the guy something that really has zero value. What do you want him to buy? It's got to make sense from the from the from the buyer's side, not just your side. I know you want to sell it, but he has to be the other party to the deal here. It's a two ways two two party deal here. You getting rid of it, he has to have an interest in buying it. So what can you tell a guy that comes along and he says, ah, I don't have anything to sell, just bliyas. It's really difficult to say. And I just want to note also that the Chazanish didn't sell bliyas. Um, one time, I think by mistake, it was written in a star. I don't know if he wanted it in there. And that caused other problems. He was questioned that maybe the Kalim themselves were sold. And there's a shadow about doing another tefillah, even though the Kisosh or the Archoshuch, I'm not sure which one, says that it wouldn't be Negea to... To have to do tefillah again, there's reasons for that. But in any case, some people are chayshus for that. So um, we don't sell the kalim. So then you would say, yeah, kalim. The kalim are worth uh, that. Pot's worth seventy five dollars. So when I sell them the bliyas, I'm selling them the kalim. So I'm writing that down. If you do it that way, um, you have this problem of the chash that maybe you have to do a new tefillah kalim again. I'm sure you'd rather not have to do that. Uh, it depends, but you know, there's a lot of kalim some people have different pots and pans and all these other things. So you, you want to avoid having to do that. So basically, the selling of the actual bliyas alone is really difficult to say. And others mentioned that all you're selling when you sell the pots, pots and pans, are chametz be'en, real chametz attached that you didn't that you missed when you cleaned it. And bliyas not. So those who want to sell bliyas, let's get back to that. Those who want to sell bliyas, and that's all they're selling, if they're selling other chametz, 
is not a problem. They write the value of the chametz, approximate value, $50, $25. And then they write plus blias, or it says it in the star, I think it says. If you're only selling blias, you don't have that option. There's no, no value that's real. So what I tell the people is, I saw this already in a few places, and I bring it down to countries where you can find the Maramakim for this. You should sell any non-chametz item or not even food item. You, uh, you could sell them uh, a rubber ball, a plastic uh, wash cup, put it away and say, I'm selling the wash cup for a dollar or five dollars. And any any bleas that I might have should be also be included in the sale, which will be determined after, you know, if there's a way to determine any value to that. So this way you're including your, your mechira of the bleas uh, together with that. We have the same issue, by the way, I just want to mention. Uh, about selling things that you don't have a value to it. For example, there are people who have an attic um, and they don't want to go up to the check because one time they might have put something up there, they never go up there and they don't want to do a badika up there so they're going to just sell it off to the guy and whatever in there they want to sell. What's in there, they don't know. Is it uh, is it dust? Is it some... They don't know if there's a piece of chametz or not or a garage. They're not going into the garage over Pesach and there's nothing there to do. So I tell them, if you're not having a value there, it's a problem to sell it because there's nothing there. It could be empty. So you got to put something in there that has a value. So if it's in your garage and you have a, a ladder that you're not going to use, you know, it's Pesach, not Sukkot, so you have to put up Schach. So you have this ladder, you'll sell the guy the ladder, valued $75 plus any chametz that might be in this room. You could do it that way. But again, Blias in general, as we say, have no value. There is no issa to be masha blias in your house. There's no issa at Beferish Mechaber. You don't have to keep the blias. I mean, to sell off the blias, it's a lot of stay there because it, it doesn't do anything as far as Chamas is concerned. You don't use the Kalim. I mean, Mechaber even talks about using a Chamas and Kalim for maybe an item that won't be giving out, you know, it won't be a hot item or something taking out the blias out of it. But basically, you put it aside. And if you want to lock it up, you can lock it up, but you really don't have to sell it to the guy at all. And whatever you're going to do, you can do it in the iPhone that's written in the star. It's good enough. Okay, so there's obviously much, a lot more about this in the uh, safer, and a lot of others. You know, I'll just mention right here. There's going to be a lot of all of us we're not getting to. We're just trying to give a sample here and there. Obviously, there'll be a link in the show's notes. People can order it, and we'll get to more about it. But let's just talk about some other things. So, something that we've been kind of alluded to, but we didn't we didn't discuss is the big question of guys al chametz gummer or no or no people sell people sell actual chametz or no only mixes and other things. So, where does that come from? What's the minute to sell chametz gummer and not just in, in obviously not going to go in this like super in depth, but just basically. Okay, basic. Let's try to keep it basic. The basic idea is like this. Originally, nobody did mechiras chametz until about 250 years ago. There was no such thing. You got rid of all your chametz and that was it. In those days, then people started getting into the um, liquor and beer business, maybe even the wine business, I guess, which became a business for Eden. They would either do just the beer or they had a, a inn, a, a place where people would come to sleep and, and eat and something. So they would have these chametzika items there. And it, it became a business where it was difficult for them to just throw everything out before Pesach. So that's real chametz they had. So for those people, we came, there was developed this shtar mechir. Now, why? Because for them, it was a hafsa maruba. And for hafsa maruba, we were able to say that even though the, 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 the maybe we shouldn't do this type of thing because it's a short period of time and the guy 
sells it back to you anyway. Maybe it's not doing anything real as far as a real mechira, kabana maybe. So those were the people that were involved. So anybody who had a business involving Chomet was given this option of how to get rid of it without losing his whole capital or his whole investments here. Every Pesach would come around and he would be losing all his parnasot from it. So the Rabbanim arranged something with called Mechira to the guy. Regular people basically got rid of all their chametz and that was it. Now, afterwards, a lot of the reason that the Rabbanim said that they should do it, because the Rabbanim weren't involved in the actual Mechira and these things, the, they would tell the owner of the of the inn or whatever, this is what you do, and they would give him the instructions, but he himself found himself a guy, and he himself would do it. And I guess they were always shyless about did he do all the kinyanim and things like that. So some people said, well, if it's for the Hefsa Maruba, so whatever he did, we'll, we'll say it's okay, because he was Gili Das, he doesn't want the Hametz, he made Bittl also. So these were things that were allowed to pass for those few people that negated to them. Most people We'd rather they didn't do it. So when people started having other items and they also wanted to write a shtar, so they said, no, you, it's not a Hefsa Maruba, so we don't allow you to do it. But if you had stuff that it's not a Shiloh by Yoruba, I must say, for example, Taruvas Chomet, specifically if it's not Kazayas Chomet, Bikdesh, Chilas Pras, those type of items, you could write a shtar and do the same thing. And whatever they said you should do, put it aside, et cetera, et cetera, sell, rent, mock them. But real Chomet, you're not a a person in the business, we you should not be selling Hamas Gomer because that's already uh, in, in the Shiloh of Yubi over the Raisa maybe because we're not to certain things that we normally wouldn't do and we don't want it to be that way, and therefore we didn't give you the Rishos to the regular person to go and, and sell real Hamas. Now, that's how it was till about 100, 150 years ago. And that time, it became a new thing that the mechiras were not anymore done by the individuals. There would be a bezdin, miyuchid for that, or the rav himself, or someone he designated. They would take care the, to see that the star, the person came, was filled correctly, and they would do the kinyanim with the guy to see that the kinyanim were done correctly. So therefore, after that, it sort of a lot of rabbanim, a big, a lot of the achreinim, paiskim. You know, all said, it's okay to even sell if you want Chomets Gomer. It doesn't have to be Hefs Maruba, because as far as the Kinyanim are concerned, they're all done Kidabai. That means legitimate, even though a guy, certain Kinyanim don't work. Whatever they needed to do, they do like eight different Kinyanim. And if Shishita says it's not a good Kinyan, they had another one for the other one. If it didn't work for this, all the things that they did, it still remained after all that. I mean, again, again, I'm sorry. Those who said it, it's 100% good, for example, Shulchan Al-Kharav, and then you had Chasam Seifer says that anyone who's Mafakbik on Mechir Shomets, Goyerim boy, you, you could do it for anything, and Bikiv uh, Ege held that way, all the Gedali Paiskim, now others disagreed, and still insisted that it's not to be done unless you have to Meruba, and their primary reason, there are a reason, the primary reason was that it's not Mestaver that a guy should be interested in buying your half a box of whatever or your leftover pizza, half-eaten pizza frozen in the freezer or all these other things that you're writing or, or minor little items. And he's not even in the business. He's not like a guy that he's like a wheeler dealer 
buying closeouts. And he's not that type of guy. He's a guy that's a, a janitor in the, in the school, and you're using him as your guy to sell the chametz. He never was interested in doing this, and he's sort of doing you a favor because he thinks that um, you'll be nice to him and you'll keep him employed. So why is he doing it for you? Because he thinks you're doing some type of, like I say, a religious ceremony, or he knows that you're not you're going to buy it back. So so there's no das from the kaina to really do it. All you, all you have here is the das of the person selling it, and they felt that if you don't have it like a legitimate mechira where there's a das of the makna, das of the kaina, they felt that it makes it look like a harama and it should be avoided. So that's where the two them. The tzad echad is, it's only both balabatim who have big businesses and have some aruba. The other tzad is that the kinyanim are valid, and if you have valid kinyanim, there's no shash on anything you sell. You could sell chametz kamer, and that's why they hold it's good. Now, I want to point out one more thing. Even who those who don't sell chametz kamer, even if they say they don't sell chametz kamer, the fact remains is that the star that they're signing, every star that is written like this, doesn't matter Lakewood or wherever, says that the star is even good for Hamas Gomer. You're a private guy and you write on that private star. It says that. Now, what does that mean? I don't sell Hamas Gomer. Well, what it means is Hamas Gomer that you were unaware of because even the fact that you're unaware of it doesn't mean it's not yours. right? You're unaware of it. And the bitl will chashish. Maybe you didn't do bitl right. So so you need a way to get rid of that shash of the possibility that you are going to be over by your raw, let's say, but whatever it is, you are over by your raw. So that's why that star says specifically, any chametz that I own, chametz gomer or taruvas chametz, is going to be included, whether I'm aware of it or not aware of it. Rabbi Kivya Eger wrote a letter like that to one of his children, the Feferish, that you should include it. And that'll mean, even if you don't sell chametz, include it, so this way, it's not a problem. You don't have the Issa by Rabbi Matze. And, and that's what is done. So, for example, um, somebody came to me once and he said to me, I, I had in my freezer, uh, I thought, potato kugel made on a chametz machine. So I sold it. But after Pesach, when I went to the freezer, it wasn't potato kugel, it was lakshin kugel. So, so what should I do with it now? I don't sell chametz gomer, the guy says. So I said, listen, guy. I'm just going to say, guy, listen here. Here's your child. Do you want to say you don't sell chametz gomer and there was no mechira and you were over by your raw? Or do you want to say that hey, I don't look at Hilda sell, but the it, I guess I sold it. And I'm not over by your raw. That's your choice right now. If you're going to insist that you didn't sell it, but uh, the I mean, you sold, you were over by your raw. You owned it. You owned that luxury. If you say that, well, it's after Pesach now, um, I guess I sold it, you know, uh, unknowingly. And that's what you're supposed to say. You're supposed to say is, okay, I guess with the ever I sold it. And you shouldn't say, oh, I never sold it. It's, it's a fact. It was a story like this many years ago in a camp. They had leftover chametz, big amounts from the year before. They forgot about it. And the camp owner, when he came back after, you know, Shavu's time setting up the camp or whatever, he forgot, oh, look at that. And I don't sell chametz, what should I do? And he called Rabbi Bluth over, and Rabbi Bluth told him, I don't matter if you don't sell chametz, it was sold in the star. So he said, what should I do with it? Rabbi Luz said, eat it. That's what you should do with it. It doesn't matter anymore. If it was middle of Pesach, maybe you could ask a child or whatever. It's after Pesach. It was sold. There was no Isabayura on this. And if there's no Isabayura, there's no Knas of Chamashav of Pesach, which is a whole sugi by itself. But that's the way it works. Chamashav of Pesach is only if you have a Knas that you that was by Isabayura. And since you definitely were not Isabayura, because your star says even Chamash Gomer is being sold, 
So this is perfectly fine for even someone who's makbid to be able to eat it after the fact. Okay, so now this, no matter what your minute is, this segues us right into after Pesach, it's the Maddash, everyone's running to the store, they want to buy now. What well, You have two options. You can go to your non-Jewish store. Again, I'll even make sure that it was owned by a non-Jew, right? Or or, or you can go to a a something that was the Jewish grocery, but you know they sold the Chamas they sold everything to the non-Jew. What's the two options? What are the differences? And where is it better to go to? Okay, so I don't want to talk about the, the first, um, which I feel is a very sort of a made-up thing, the, the Chametz, uh, uh, the Gebak Noch Pesach stickers. You know, there's no Hechsher that says that. No, no um, I, a responsible um, Kashra's organization ever told the owners, it's only the Hamoin Am that sort of became obsessed with this idea that you have to only buy Gebak Noch Pesach. Uh, it's a made-up thing. There's really no reason for them to do it. Um, they asked the Chazanish uh, one time. They told him, "You know, we have flour that's after Pesach, and it was it was milled gemult noch Pesach." He says, "Okay, I, I can buy the regular chametz, uh, the flour that the grocery store sold over Pesach. It's fine for me." And the same thing, uh, even those who were makbid for themselves, their family, they were not makbid. Um, I'm sorry, Akif Fisher himself used to go to the store and buy chametz items after Pesach. Um, others with with uh, small salant. With himself was makbid, okay, but there's, it's really, uh, I don't think it's an halachadik Indian that he did because he used to tell his family, his wife and his kids, they go to the store, they sell the chametz, it's fine, you can buy whatever you want in the store. So, what's the real story? If you have this minig, because that's how your father is Ada, absolutely, you gotta keep your minig. And that's what should you do? That's your minig. You don't go and throw away your minig because you don't understand how it, what's the reason for it. However, if that's not your minig, because the chametz was sold by a from Jew, there's no question that this chametz, there was no issa bayura on this chametz. There's no issa, it's impossible. It, it's so impossible, the fact remains that even if the Rav made a mistake and forgot to sell the chametz for, for the store, it's going to be covered even less than an oinus because the Rav, the, the Malabas already was my idea that he had no interest in it. He made a bethel, and it's not his fault that it was left out. Okay, so therefore, any iser of Chametz of Pesach will only apply to Chametz that there was an iser of Bayura that some Jew was over Bayura. So we don't have that in stores that are owned by From Yidin who have full das to sell their Chametz. There is nothing there that should bring this Chametz to this problem. The bigger problem is when the store in the Gaisha store, where you might not be aware that the distributor who brings him the items is a Jewish owner who deals in chametz during Pesach. So even if he sold the chametz with a star, it's a shayla if the star was mavutal, but let's assume he didn't even sell it that way. Most of the time, they would, for a long time, they were, the main distributor of chametz in the East Coast was owned by a Jew, and for 90% of the supermarkets, and a lot of times, that's the chametz that you were buying after Pesach. You were leaving the Jewish store, not touching his sold, legitimately sold chametz, because you don't eat chametz that was sold, and you went to the guy and you bought real Chamesh of Pesach, and that was really not the right way to do it. So I feel that that's the way you want to do it. You should be trying to figure out a way that you don't buy Chamesh ever from just make everything at home yourself, because there's no way to avoid it. But if you are legitimate, you understand that the person selling the Chamesh, the Jewish store, is allowed to sell it, 
and the Rabbana made up that is everybody. It's, forget about it. it's a legitimate mechira for them. So you have should not be mafakbik. You should not say I can't buy by him for many reasons. There's other inyanim besides this, uh, giving panasa to a Jew, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And you should definitely spend your money by the Jewish store. You understand that when you go to the Gaisha store, you're not just coming to buy the Cheerios. You end up buying all the other stuff, the fruits and vegetables, and all that. So the Jew is losing a lot of panasa from you going to the Gaisha store. Um, flour, if people run to get flour, I don't understand. Mishnah Buddha said the fairish had flour in the shuk that was not um, shamur, shmira mishats, katsira at all, is mutter to even use on Pesach. So the reason to go get flour in the Gaisha store makes no sense at all. You should just buy the, the flour that's in the regular Jewish store because it's, it can, at most it could be as taruv as chametz. It can't be chametz bummer. So that's another issue that goes on. People are running for the flour. Okay, they'll need the elbow macaronis and all the other stuff, the croutons, which I don't know you know, exactly where they got it from. But whatever it is, the mice, and when you get to this type of idea, the people should be aware of the facts. The facts are there is no reason to avoid buying the chametz from the Jewish store. I'll tell you even more than that. One more thing. In the early days, about, let's say, 15, 20 years ago, um, in Lakewood, the co-op, which was then basically one of the main stores, even now it's one of the main stores, I would say, but at that time, there wasn't that many big stores. Coop was a big store. And the Coop would buy, before Pesach, huge amounts of cereals and, and other chametz items before Pesach, huge amounts. And they would go and put it in their aisles, cover it up with plastics, where they would put all the chametz items, and they would sell it. Now, why did they do that? Because they were very concerned that the distributors for these type of items, I mean, it wasn't, we didn't have so many Hamish brands, let's say, in those days. It was regular Cheerios and, and, and things like that. And it's going to be chametz that might be over Pesach. If they sell it, they know for sure it wasn't. And if it wasn't, everybody could buy it. But then the people were um, whispering, Chumitz, they sold Chumitz, we, we can't go there. Mm, we're not going there. So they stopped doing it because too many people they voted with their feet. They didn't come to the store because this is sort of sells Chumitz. I mean, they anyway have to sell Chumitz. There's nothing they can do about it. But it sort of gave them like the impression like maybe the, the store is not firm enough for them, so they have to run to the guy instead. But that's a mistake. I don't believe that's the right way to do it. You can ask your own Rav. Again, if that's your minig, keep your minig. But if it's not your minig, there's really no reason for you to go and start this new thing, this new fad that people have. I know it might cause problems for Shaduchim and for getting your kids into school, but Lemaisa, you got to do what's right. And you have to understand the Matthias. You understand it's not so such a big uh, problem in Judaism that people buy their chametz from a Jewish store after Pesach. Yeah, and listen, like you said, the main point of this, especially this episode, it's a little bit more halacha than we usually do on Farm Chatter. It's meant to be, my dear people, people should know about these things and look at the safer. It's not halacha chatter, not paskin again, people ask you rav, but they should know that these halachas exist and these are sources, and this is what, you know, talked about more in the safer. Now, let's talk about a couple other things here about the mechira. Um, first of all, arranging mechira for somebody else, and, and also, and together with that, someone do, what about for someone, when someone's doing a shower about their kids? Yeah, so when you do for somebody else, you could do that. Sometimes you have your parents, uh, they're a little older already, and it's hard they don't go to the, to the Rav themselves, but they have Chametz at home, etc. So you can do for them, and go to the Rav, and you list their address, where it's going to be, even if they're coming to you for Yontif, let's say, but you want to, they put away their stuff, and they leave it, and they, they have in their apartment Chametz, so you're going to write Chametz, and you'll write their name on top um, for their name, Mr. So-and-so, Rabbi So-and-so, uh, or your mother, this, whatever it is, you know, whatever family... And then your address, 
And when you sign it, you can't sign their name, right? If your name, whatever it is, you can't sign their name. You have to sign your name. But afterwards, you write on behalf of my father, Shlita, my mother, Shatechia, whatever you, you sign it. But you sign your name the same on that individual star. And again, when we use the big star, which we still do, we have both stars that we still use. The one that was originally done, we still keep doing it because that's how we used to do in the, on the before. We don't leave off a minute from before, but we added a new add-on star. So you sign two times. You're going to sign that individual star again on behalf of the same on that other star. You sign their name and you write if your their, your name and you write on behalf of who, whoever it is. So it could be a neighbor. It could be um, somebody called you up, a, a coworker. Just write your name you sign and then write it on behalf of. That's how you sign a star on behalf of other people, um, whether, whether they're related to you or not. Now, as far as comments for your children, um, I, 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 you have to be aware that the chametz that you sell at home is including the chametz that you own. So if your kids have chametz, you could say, well, my kid's chametz is mine because there's Samichal Shulchan Aviyam and I'm writing the star. So that works, but there are times, especially if you have older children already, where they own, they have their own money, which you don't take away from them. You don't take their paycheck. I mean, if you do, then again, it's the same thing. But let's say you let them keep the money that, and they can buy with that money whatever they want. So they're going to go buy, uh, I don't know, Hamasika item, and they, they don't know where they put it. It might be behind somewhere. It might be in their office. Whatever it is, they should really make their own Shtar But you can tell your daughter, you, know, you have to go to the Rav, call them up. Basically, it's, it's not the way people want to do it. So they want their father to take care of it, right? Or even your son, right? Your son, he, he, He's not married yet. He, he went to camp. He, he met money in the summertime and he spent his money on some things. I don't know, maybe a bag of licorice. It's somewhere put away that he forgot it's in his drawer or things like that. So now what is he going to do with it? Is he going to run to the rough to write down this bag of licorice, basically? So really what you could do is you can write their comments in your star, but you have to specify. You have to specify since they're the bylam of it, and you're doing it sort of as a shlichus for them. So in the star, I explain exactly how you do it, um, exactly how, if they have to appoint you as a shliach, if you don't, it's not necessary. I wrote about a little bit about there because I feel there's something that people seem to take for granted that it, they tell me, what? My kids, chametz, I own it. I said, really? Do you take it away from them? If, you, if your kid took his own money and bought a, a donut and the other kid's crying, do you take it away from him? And you say, I, I decided it's his. No, you, you might ask him, maybe let your brother have it and I'll get you another. But you're not, you let him own it, you know? And I'm wondering, you could ask a Shiloh, I'm not going to ask him, maybe even kids under Bar Mitzvah might be Negev, but certainly kids that earn their own money or a kid that gets allowance and you give it to them, that's theirs to use as they want. And they went and bought Chama and said, you're not aware of, you have no idea. They went down to the corner, to the grocery store, they went somewhere. And now they're, they're, they might have chametz and they have to get rid of it like anybody else. It doesn't matter that they're living at home. Your chametz is yours, theirs is theirs. And you should get them. And in the star that I use, there's a checkbox. Chametz uh, uh, belonging to my kids. So some people don't say it's necessary. I, I see, to me, it seems clear that if they're the ones that are buying them on that money and you're not taking it away from them at any time. So, you know, they have their own bank account. They have whatever it is. That means they are able to be kinder. I mean, a kid could, uh, 
a baby could be a kind of something. It might not be able to be magnet. So, so if somebody gave them a present and says, I'm an the father should never show us. It's also there. So I don't know if you have to write for babies. But I'm just saying is, generally, kids can't own chametz. Adult kids surely can own their own chametz. Uh, they can have a car and they eat in their car and they have chametz in the bottom. They didn't clean it. They don't need... All these things, their chametz needs to be sold legitimately from them. You can be the shleich. You could put on your star even. And you could even do it post facto means after you come back from the rov, you could say, I included it in my star. But there's ways to do it in the right way where you medir them better beforehand. Afterwards, it's in the safer. I wrote about it very much uh, extensively. Okay, so now the, the really the main thing, last question thing to talk about Amahira is something that will get us into the next thing of Batikas Chama, something else that you also discussed in the Sefer is early Mechira. And early yeah. Mechira, there's something that's relevant about Orlando. Everyone's running to Orlando now or hotels and all various far-flung locations, you know, in the, over the world. So what happens with early Mechira and Batikas Chametz? Well, early Mechira is not a new phenomenon. This has been around many times of... 50 or more years that we know about because on the Shtar of Mechira from Rabbi Blach that was done 50, 60 years ago was already in there uh, a checkbox for writing early Mechira. That reason was put in because we had people then travel to Eretz Yisrael. They might have left Chametz there. They had to get rid of the Chametz that was there before this man over here. So you had to do for them an early Mechira. But then Mishnah Brewer talks about it also where he talks about where Mechimus that you um no, he talks about, I'm sorry, he talks about uh, Shaila, this is a different Shaila, which might need be Negea. The Shaila is the room, the, the cabinet that you put away the chametz in. You, you have a cabinet and you're going to put in Teruvah's chametz or chametz, whatever it is. You want to sell that off. That's not to be chametz, chametz, whatever it is, chametz items. It can be Suffolk chametz items, whatever it is. So, Leil Yudalid, when you do Bedikah's chametz, that cabinet, that closet, that pantry, that's going to stay closed for all of Pesach, Right now, it, the Mechira didn't happen yet. And you're Mechira to go be Baidik all the places of your house that we're Machnisim by Chomet. So, Lechira, would you be required to empty out that whole cabinet, look at that Chomet, know that you have Chomets in there, and then put it back in because you want to sell it to the guy? Or can you say, well, I'm not going to be Baidik that, I'm not uh, going to be using this, it's all going to be wrong to the guy tomorrow, so I don't have to be Baidik. That's a big Shaila. And there are many, the Mishnah Brewer said, uh, the minig is to be mekel. I mean, yeah, it can be, you could be mekel if you want, because since the chametz will be sold tomorrow and, and the cabinet will be rented to the guy, it's even though now it's still yours, you don't have to do the badika. But he says it would be better if you were able to arrange an early mechira for those mechimas. So what does early mechira mean? It means that before shkia of Yud Gimel, so this year, before shkia of Thursday, that night of Badika's Chametz, that has already been sold and the rental has already been done for the guy prior. Usually we do the Mechira and the rentals, everything, and the fifth hour of Erev Yantiv. Here, you're going to do it already the day before. And this Mokim is not yours already when, when it starts the Zman of Badika. It's not yours. That's the reason it's been arranged. However, as things go on, we have it for other purposes. People go away for Yantiv and they're not home. Lail Yudalid. Okay, they're renting out, they're going to leave the whole house, they're going to be away. And now the Shaila is what do they do with the Schametz and they have to do a Badika tonight? So if they want, they can make a, make a rental and sale. They can sell all the Schametz in the house already from 
earlier. That means on Thursday afternoon, whatever. And that means Thursday night, this house doesn't have to have a badik anymore, right? Normally, within 30 days, if you leave your house, you have a chif to do badika. But in the case of early mechira, if it's not yours, because already the day before it sort of became the guy, says a lease, a contract, it's the guy's, so your house is not yours anymore. Uh, as far as bedika, you'll do it, let's say, where you're going to be going. I mean, there's different shilohs about doing bedika, what to do, but in, in general, let's assume a, a standard case. You're leaving Thursday uh, afternoon, and Thursday night, you're not going to be there anymore. You're not staying over the next day. So you can t- sort of, I'm not trying to patter up, but you're giving the guys the ownership already, so that this house is finished. You're still going to do your bedika in the new place, assuming you have a place where you're going to, if you're going to somebody else, there's a shayla what to do because it's very important not to avoid doing bedikas chametz. People should not say, well, I don't have to do any bedikah. I'm going to my shver. I'm going to my parents and I'm there doing the bedikah there. And my house, I sold right before I came in. So I'm off. That's not the way to do things. It's not it's not a Jewish way of doing things. You shouldn't try to avoid it. So we we, we do make a way where you can be makayim the mitzvah bedikah, even if you're going away like that, where you do a bedikah the night before, meaning Wednesday night. Um, without a bracha, because that's what Ramam Ma says, but you're Mekayim the Mitzvah B'dika, and in the star you'll leave out that room from the rental. That means that that rental doesn't howl in that room. The room you're doing the B'dika is going to be your Mitzvah. You don't make the bracha, but the Mitzvah is still there. Any Anytime you do a B'dika, L'Shem Pesach, some say only some say even if it's from the beginning of the year, but basically you're going only a day or two, a few days before, so you're Mekayim your Mitzvah, and you're renting out your house for the rest of it so that this way it's not yours as far as being mechuyiv to either you yourself do a bedikah or send in a shliach to do a bedikah, which would you be required if you didn't do this early mechira. However, I just want to say one more thing. When somebody forgets to do all this, he forgot. He didn't make an early mechira. Um, it seems like you you really, you really can be okay. In other words, you don't have to do the badika. You could ride the star later, Thursday night even, and you're and you're not going to have to be by the whole house. How does that work? You, you what you do is, let's assume you're not leaving. You're leaving later. You 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 got delayed, and, and instead of leaving six o'clock, you you're leaving at nine o'clock. Now you now you you forgot to ride a star, and and now what am I going to do now? Do the whole house or? The kitchen and the makom shemachnisim b'chamim. All those rooms—it's—it's it's too much. Agav, uh, I just want to mention Reb Chaim Kinyevsky. That's all. It's brought down in one of the articles about him that they—they they told him about people that have these big houses in America, ten-room houses, twelve-room houses. The first thing he said was, "How did they do bedikas chametz in one night?" That was his shaila. So basically, the more rooms you have, it's very nice, but you got to concern yourself with doing bedikas. So in the safer, we have ways how you can. You can manage to do a legitimate badika even if you have a big house. Okay, if you have a small house, two a one bedroom, a two room house, it's okay. You could spend four hours, and some people that have big houses don't spend fifteen minutes. I understand there are reasons how to do it the right right way. But in any case, so what happens is like this: we mentioned before that the Chassam Seifer says that you don't have to be buy the, the cabinet that you're going to sell tomorrow the night of B'dikas Chametz, because the Maisa is not going to be yours over Pesach. So you really, it's it's, it's it's okay if you don't do the B'dika, okay? You don't have to. So let's assume that your whole house is one big cabinet, right? Tomorrow, for sure, when the when the last chance of Shtar being done, when the Rav does it at the end, 
right? Five minutes, right after it's done, this house is no more yours. So already tonight, it's like you don't have to do bedika because just so you don't do bedika in those cabinets that are being sold tomorrow. Your house is all being sold tomorrow. So so then you really don't have to do bedika. I mean, there's no chiv at all because you, you wrote in the star, entire house, all 12 bedrooms and, and six uh, living rooms and, 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 and five bedroom basement. Everything is being sold. And I don't have to do bedika because it's like a cabinet, a big house, a big cabinet. Everything is gone. The problem then is, well, what are you going to be doing for bedika to make them make? Let's say tonight you're you're there. You ended up getting stuck. You're there, and it's Thursday night. You want now you can make with a bracha, right? But, but you sold the whole house, so so you can't do a bedika in the guy's house. Really, I mean, it does say that if you, if you own if your house is a guy's and you're leaving, you should do bedika. Hey, but Pashas, what should you do here? Pashas, what you should do is you're going to leave out one room in the star, and that's the room you're going to do it with a bracha, because you're still here Thursday night. Or in the case of the day before, we did the same thing. If it was Wednesday night and you were able to write an early mechira, you still left out one room because you want to be mechaim the mitzvah. But as far as early mechira in general, a lot of people do it because they cannot do the whole house anyway. It's a lot of work. If they do it the right way, if, if you really, you know, it's a shiloh how much you have to do because we really clean it, but let's say they're not cleaning because they're going away. So what are you going to do now? The house is not going to be cleaned. And now it's going to be time to do a bedika, and they're packed out. They they are somewhere else, and and what are they going to do? They they they, they have to do the mitzvah. So doing early mechira is a legitimate way that you can be mamayit what you have to do, but you cannot do it where you get rid of every thing to be baidik. That's we don't hold. Of course, there are those that are chaylik on the whole Indian of early mechira. Chak Yosef mentions it. He holds that you should only do lechatchila uh, 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 bedikas that you are able to make with a bracha. So he doesn't hold of doing bedika early. He doesn't hold of doing early mechira. All these things because you're going to take away from that particular room the bracha. Even if you do one room with a bracha, he's still against it. But others seem to say it's okay as long as one room is done, even without it. But one room is done with shame bedika, which is required. You were yitz in the midst of bedika. You didn't get away without doing any bedika. Okay, so one more thing on mechira is there's a minute of giving the rav money. You go to the rav, the, the, does does the star what we were talking about, and you give him money. So how much money is the you know is there a, is there a general number, and where did this minute and why did this minute come about? So Moshe Sternbach in one of his chuvas van Hages, in one of the one of the places he writes, um, I think I wrote the Maramokim in this country, uh, says that. There might be a reason, um, more of a reason that you should make sure that you give the rough money. It doesn't say how much. You should make sure you give the rough money. Why? Because um, the Shiloh is, he becomes like sort of a pile when he gets the money. So a pile, then we can rely that he, there's more of a starker thing to say that he that he did his, his uh, what you would call the shlichas here. And 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 in a stronger way, where we can rely that it's done, even in the Raisa, where we have, you know, in other words, the the, the that the shliach isa shlichusai, it becomes more stronger in a case where you gave him money and sort of he's considered sort of like working for you. So that's really his opinion why you should make sure to give the rav the money. So um, anyway, you should give the rav the money. He's doing a lot of work. He's being masadur for you. He's taking care. I don't know. Whatever salary he's getting, you know, he definitely deserves double or triple what he should, what he's been getting because that's the way it is. You know, Rav is always giving much more than he's getting for it. I, usually, I would say that's the case. The, the Rav very much underestimates how much the job is going to be. It takes up more than his time, and it's very important 
that you should show appreciation. It's an opportunity. It's brought down a few times, different times of the year, with an opportunity to show a karsa type to the Rav, giving him money, extra money, more money than would normally be just a token amount. But it's okay. Some people come and figure that's part of the Rav's job. He has to be Masada. He's Meshubba to you. Okay. That it'll work even without it. But the minute in Claudius Rolls to give the money, some people would give a significant amount. Uh, I remember in, even 30, 40 years ago, people would give 50 or 100 dollars to the Rav. I'm sure it's a lot more money now, but it depends. You know, the Minig in Lakewood is really not that much. They seem to have this idea that the five dollars that they gave 60 years ago is enough. It doesn't matter that Rabbi Blech says five dollars enough, doesn't mean you have to listen to him. I mean, if you insist that he'll take forty dollars, I'm sure it's okay too. You know, you 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 can say yeah, but I think it's a little funny when a guy comes and he gives him Jays him a cup and he, he takes out a ten dollar bill and asks him back for five dollars change. I think it's a little funny. You know, you know, you, you took out ten dollar bill. That's what you got. That's what you got. You know, you want to prepare five singles to give him. I don't know. It's, it would be nice to be mechabedirav, but again, without money, it's also going to work. The rebel do it for you. He's not going to say anything to you if you didn't give him any money. It's a minig. In general, that's the way it is. Minig, whether it has a yisayid api like Rav Moshe Shnarbach says, or just as a as a sort of a sort of showing him a karsatay for all the year for everything that he'll do for you, it's a nice thing to do. But again, in in, in actual chalais um, of the kinyanim and these things, it's not going to be necessary to give him any money. But it's menshlech. Okay, so let's quickly talk about you mentioned also towards the end of the country, you also talk a little bit about um Bidikis Khamet. So what's the you do one thing that's interesting, you talk about the importance of doing Bidikis Khamet Bizman, Salalio Dalit, and also some interesting maybe we have some interesting Bidikis Khamet Minhagim to talk about. Right. So the the, the 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 recent thing that was added into this year's country that I don't think you have in the version three and Madura Ravias, and we talk about it. You know, there's a shaila about doing uh, ten pieces of bread, which the minic the the, the Ramah brings down. That there's a minute to put out 10 pieces of bread. He talks about it. It's a shayla, maybe there might be a shash brachle batala. So that really depends on what the um, purpose of the bedika is. Is the purpose to find chametz or is the purpose to just look for chametz? Okay, the, the, the sugyan itself, um, I talk about it a little bit in, the, in those last few pages. And uh, the nafkemina is, if you hold it, the reason is that maybe it's a brachle batala. So people would normally tell you that since the night before the Yudalid, if you were doing Bidika Yud Gimel or earlier because you're leaving early, so there's no bracha anyway, what are you going to put 10 pieces of bread for? So if you don't have 10 pieces, if there's not a bracha, there's no chash bracha batala anyway because it's not a not shaykh. However, there's other reasons. Um, the Chak Yaakov um, says that the reason we put out 10 pieces of bread is because when you don't, when you, when you don't find anything after the first few minutes and you don't find again because the house is very well cleaned and you start getting a little bit like uh, lazy about it. You say, "Ah, eh, there's no chametz here," so you like uh, you don't really look anymore. But if you if you keep on finding a piece here and then another room, another piece and another room, another piece, so it gives you encouragement to say, "Hey, there's real chametz around. Let me let make sure I don't miss any." And you you do it better. So that applies even if you did it before without a bracha, because you got to do a good a good bedika. Okay, so and you could say, well, that depends if it's one room I'm looking for, if it's ten rooms. Once we make up a thing that you put out the bread, ten piece of bread, it doesn't matter if all you have is one room to look at or whatever, it's a minig. Now, a third reason, which was mentioned in the Sharetzim, and others, of course, mention it, so it's a, it's a long type of thing, that the Arizal said that the ten pieces, specifically, is connected, uh, certain Kabbalistic Zachin, and, and, and the Kavanas, and then when you do it, even if you don't know the Kavanas, you're doing it in an that that sort of 
has grace zachin in Shemayim. Okay, whatever it is. Others didn't put out 10 pieces of bread. We know many Gdom did not have this minute. They didn't put out 10 pieces of bread. I believe the Vilna Goyen didn't do it. So it's again a question about this, um, what the reasons are and 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 why exactly you should do it. But that's a minute that even if you're doing it early, it seems like, now, the Menchaz Yitzchak in, in Chuvah seems to just say, because it's not a Shach Baruch you don't have to do it. He does mention maybe that Rizal, maybe that's a reason. So it could be something you should do. It could be something that would be proper if you if you don't have it. Again, you can do Bedika without it. You don't have to go crazy and start running next door to your neighbor and say, can I have a slice of bread so I can put up? Okay, again, that's one of the things that we talk about as far as the Bedika. There's other Shilas that come up that people do Bedika when they come to a hotel or they're coming to a rental house. Again, they have to do Bedika before Pesach. If they come in the middle of Yantif, Chalamoid, they have to do a bedika. You cannot rely on the cleaning service of whatever. If you go to a hotel in the middle of Chalamoid, you rent a car in Chalamoid, you have to do a bedika in the car. You can't rely that they cleaned it and did well. You don't know under the seats what's doing. Once you rented your bailem, immediately you have a chiv to start to do a bedika before you start using the, you know, using it because it wouldn't be right. I mean, Perur and these things we're not we're not worried about. What we're worried about could be a half a bag of pretzels is there or something I've myself seen where a person picked up a, a, a cushion from a like an armchair in a in a hotel room and it was taka half a bag of pretzels underneath. So you do the bedika in any of these places that you go afterwards. Uh, you you want to sometimes do it because you're coming well. You download, you got to do the bedika. The child is about this man when you should do it. It's very clear that we have very big dinim about it that you shouldn't start doing anything before this man because you might get nimshach. You don't you don't do a shear in learning. You don't sit down for a meal. There's a lot of things that you should avoid doing because when the Zman comes, that's all you're supposed to be doing now is doing Bidika. Mayra first, Mayra after. I mean, uh, if you should first do Bidika and then Mayra, or if the Mayra does a Stama Machoikas, how to do it in the Minhagim or Paiskim. But as far as the Zman, it's not just, seems like just like a good idea to start. Bizman, it seems like a Chiv, that that's the Kana. The Kana is to start it right after Chesakachavim, basically, what most people do. But you should do it and not delay. Okay? You shouldn't take a nap. You should, all these things. Now, there are going to be circumstances where you're an Oynes. Okay? And in fact, I saw brought down, I think Rabbi Zilberstein talks about it one time, where he said, you have a Shir Kavua, and it's Nimshach into the Zman, already, you know, you started with the Heter, and then you shouldn't stop the Shir. You should keep with the Shir going, because it's no reason. You can, you'll finish the Shir. Once it's a Shir, you shouldn't stop the Shir, because now it's the Zman to go do B'dikas Hamas. Absolutely not. Um, and it shouldn't reschedule the share. That's a share kavua. That's the way you should do it. So we see that there are times where you won't won't have to be marked exactly in the time. There are other times where a person is traveling. Let's say he he he's supposed to leave. His flight leaves in the afternoon. He doesn't get there till at night. At Shkia, he's flying somewhere. So when he lands, he'll do the bedika then, even if it's two three hours, even if it's ten o'clock at night, eleven o'clock at night. It just he'll be tired, but he should make sure to do it as soon as he gets there, not start doing other things. But if he's an Oynes, of course, that's the way it is. There's a Shaila, if let's say a person is coming in from uh, to an out-of-town location for Pesach, he already has some people there before. So what should they do? Should he tell them to do the Bedika with a bracha right at Shkia and he's not there? In other words, they should be his shliach. Or he wants to do it because he wants to do the Bedika with a bracha like he always does. They should, he should delay it. Now, it's really brought down Mishnah Brewer talks about it, and you should not delay it. You should get a shliach to do it for you. 
Um, there are others that are, seem to say that there's an eight sitter, maybe they should leave over one room. You should do the one room when you come. You'll make a brach in the room. You'll be doing the mitzvah also. Okay. Rather, we're going to have to do 10 pieces twice, maybe 10 pieces for them, and then again, 10 pieces for you. Maybe. Maybe that's what you have to do. But um, there are other reasons that you could say you could delay it, even if there are people there. Let's say they're, they're sort of like not the type you think are going to do the badika as well as you would do it. They're going to look for the 10 pieces of bread, and that's going to be enough. Yeah, it's good. I guess it's definitely good with the evidence, but you would do it more with more, I guess, more. Um, you'd be more mocked and take spend more time. So maybe in such a case, you could say, like, well, I'm doing a better bidika, my shliach is not going to do such a good bidika. So maybe you could delay it because it's like, it's like you have nobody there to do it for you. So those are the shadows that I talk about a little bit exactly how to do these things when you're traveling or whatever. There's also shadow about when to burn the chametz. Some people are going to be traveling Erev Yantif, so they don't have time to burn the chametz. The flight's leaving whenever. They're on the plane. Okay, so B'diyavid, you'll flush it down the toilet. I mean, it's not B'diyavid, that's brought down. Mafar Mizah, So there's not a problem with doing that, but we want to do it with Sreifa, really. So in such a case, you could even do the Sreifa already the night before. And the chametz that's left over from your breakfast, if you eat any, you'll just flush down. But you did at least some part of the. Some people hold the last thing has to be Sreifa, but that you won't be able to do. But as far as uh, doing some of the beer with Sreifa, you will have done if you even if you do it the night before. Ramos says the fairies you could do it the night before if there's a reason for it. The Chol Hamira you'll wait till the end to say it. The you should do it that way. I also talk about if you forget to do the Chol Hamira the second time and what the dinim would be Negea if it's Negea that you forgot but you did it the first night. So those are all mentioned in the in the countries over there. Okay, and obviously, like I said, there's many more stuff in here that we're not discussing. So, I mean, something that I mentioned is that you did it in English. Uh, why did you decide to do it in English, and was there ever, ever any thought of doing it in Hebrew? Well, I did it in English, as I said before in the beginning, that people were coming to the Mechira, and they're not understanding what's going on. So if I'm going to give them a bunch of papers in Hebrew, <laughs> under the pressure of time, it, it's going to be hard. They're not ready to come and learn right now. They're coming to do something. So with the English, and I minimize, I mean, I wrote the, the words in Lashon Kodesh that you should understand. I'm not translating into uh, into a sourdough and and leavened bread. You know, I write it to you in a way, chametz and the Hebrew letters. And But the basic idea is to get the answer to your question understandable as easy as possible. So that's how I started writing these things. When I became a safer, it was all based on those papers that I had given out to people already over the years. And and that's how I printed it the first time. I always think about it, I should do it in Lashon Kaidish um, stores in New York, uh, Big Lies, and especially keep on telling me, make it in Lashon Kaidish, make Lashon Kaidish. Every time I start making Lashon Kaidish, it just gets too big. I, I bring down too many things. I have to be Makatsar in a way that it's not taking away from understanding what to do, but gives you enough information. And and it needs much more, uh, for me, much more uh, Yeshiva Das and working on it. And, you know, I, when I think about it, even though I start sometimes right after Sukkot, it doesn't always work. Maybe if I start right after Pesach, <clears throat> I'll be able to do such a thing. But the Vaila, I mean, it's definitely on my thought that I should make it in Lashon Kaidish too, because I keep on waiting. Grad Asefa came out on Mechiris Chametz uh, in Eretz Yisrael um, in 2014, Tavchen Ayin Dalid, by Avadi Yosef Talodano, a grandson of Rabbi Avadi Yosef. Um, his father, Motcha Talodano, is Aiden by Rabbi Avadi Yosef. And and he's a Dayan on the Bezdin Choshen Mishpat of Rav Asher Weiss, Shlita. 
And he wrote a Sefer Mechiras Chometz, Mishpat HaMechira, 737 pages besides the Mafteach. Just HaMechiras Chometz. Now, my, my present is, with all my extras and everything, is about 160, maybe it's less if you take out some blank pages that are there, 170, but whatever it is, I think I have some things that he doesn't really go into, but basically, I, I had it over the Sefer num- numerous times already, um, and I look at it to see, you know, if I'm writing correctly. If people want to go into the sugya, there's a lot of other storms that are available, especially if you want to go into Bidika and Bittel and Beer, these things also. But um, I'm a contrast, it's not going to be, I'm not writing a, a big Sefer. I'm trying to help you, Lemaise, what's going to be when you come to the Rav? What are you going to know? How are you going to understand what to do? And in Lashon Kaidish, it would be helpful. But, you know, as I say, the star is written in English. I got to write to you to explain what it is. I could write to you in Lashon Kaidish too, but if you're going to look at it the day before, you might not have the Yishev Adas. It's good to have just as a general rule. I would have to write a little bit different than than telling a guy, a person right now, okay, you're sitting here, the star says this, do this, do this, do this. I would just give you the the the, the entire, uh, more of a heck of on the, on the sugiest involved, and then a few pages just to tell you Lamaisa if there's a machoikas in certain, certain ways how to write it. But again, I hope to still do one like that in Lashon Kaidish. Okay, so um, where can people buy it? You mentioned they will put a, a link in the show's notes, and is it available locally besides for that? I mean, I'll, uh, the link I should mention is to Amazon, right? Yeah, there'll be an Amazon. Uh, it'll be available on Amazon. Um, also, um, Big Eliza in, in uh, Brooklyn, Borough Park. Um, in Lakewood, Judaica Plaza has it. And uh, Berman's, the Berman store locations, uh, are having it too. Those in, in Lakewood. And of course, if they want, they can contact me. I have it by me here. And if they're out of town, we could arrange it for them to get it too, probably. But then probably easiest if they just do the Amazon if they're out of town. But again, there's also, uh, they can email me or call me about Shilas that they want to ask. I, I have no problem answering them if I if I know the answer. I'm happy to do that. And um, it's a sham. They should be able to understand it clearly so that when they do it, it's it's really kid boy. Okay, so I can put your, your email in the show's notes as well. And there's, there's, there's uh, like I said, like you said, there's a lot of what we discussed here and there's a lot more in there as well. So thank you once again for joining me and uh, to talk about this. My pleasure. Thank you very much, Nachi.